If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I crouched in the darkness, the cool desert sand beneath me as I adjusted the straps on my gear. Our mission was clear. Extract a fellow Navy SEAL who had been held captive by terrorists in Iraq. It was a dangerous assignment, but we were trained for this. I glanced at my team, five highly skilled individuals ready to face any challenge that lay ahead. As the team leader, I felt the weight of responsibility on my shoulders. I double-checked our coordinates and briefed the team on the plan. We would parachute into the Iraqi desert, relying on our compass and the given coordinates to locate the secret house where our comrade was held. The night was pitch black as we jumped from the aircraft. 
each of us descending gracefully to the desert floor. Once on the ground, we regrouped and began our trek towards the target location. The silence of the desert was interrupted only by the occasional gust of wind. Suddenly, in the distance, a strange glow caught our attention. We paused, our senses heightened, and watched as the glow transformed into the figure of a maiden. Her luminous face seemed otherworldly, an ethereal presence in the barren desert. Confusion and disbelief washed over us as we tried to comprehend what we were witnessing. Before we could react, the mysterious figure launched herself at us with incredible speed and force. Instinct kicked in, and we swiftly raised our rifles, unleashing a barrage of bullets towards her. But our weapons seemed useless as the bullets passed through her without causing any harm. Fear consumed us, and we turned and ran, our hearts pounding in our chests. We sprinted through the desert, desperate to put distance between us in this inexplicable threat. After what felt like an eternity, we dared to glance back, only to find that the maiden had vanished into thin air. Relief washed over us, but unease lingered in the back of our minds. We took a moment to catch our breath and collect our thoughts. We made a silent pact to never speak of what we had witnessed in that desert. It was beyond our comprehension, beyond our understanding. Determined to complete our mission, we continued our journey towards the secret house. We reached our destination and skillfully infiltrated the terrorist stronghold, eliminating any resistance along the way. Finally, we found our fellow Navy SEAL battered but alive. With a mixture of relief and pride, we freed him from his captors. As we extracted our comrade and made our way back to safety, we remained silent about the supernatural encounter in the desert. It was an unspoken agreement that this was something best left unexplored and unexplained. We had seen things that defied logic and reason, but it did not deter us from our duty. The haunting tendrils of secrecy it had held me captive for far too long. As a government whistleblower, the weight of classified information bore down on my conscience, demanding release. The truth needed to be heard. The world deserved to know the terrifying reality concealed behind closed doors. It was time to unshackle my soul and lay bare the horrors I had witnessed while working for the clandestine government agency. On a rainy evening, the dim glow of streetlights cast a melancholic haze upon the city streets. My heart raced with a blend of anxiety and determination as I navigated my way to the unassuming office of a local reporter, the key to my liberation. The rain-slicked pavement seemed to mirror the slippery slope upon which I tread. The doorbell's chime echoed through the air as I stepped into the reporter's office the faint scent of ink and paper mingling with the stale aroma of coffee. The reporter, a seasoned journalist named Michael, looked up from his cluttered desk, his eyes alight with curiosity and skepticism. John, he greeted me with a nod, gesturing for me to take a seat. You said you had something big to share, something that could change everything. I took a deep breath, my heart pounding like a drumbeat in my chest. Michael, I've seen things, unspeakable things, during my time working for a secret government agency. He leaned in, his eyes narrowing with intrigue. 
Go on. With a heavy sigh, I began to recount the nightmare that had become my reality. There's a program code named Terror. It's a top-secret initiative aimed at reviving ancient fossils of cryptids, creatures once whispered about in old books. The government has managed to bring these long-lost monsters back to life. Michael's brow furrowed, his skepticism warring with a glimmer of belief. Cryptids? You mean like mythical creatures? The Loch Ness Monster Bigfoot? I nodded solemnly. Exactly. But it doesn't stop there. These creatures, they're not just confined to secret laboratories. They've been released into the wild scattered across the United States. The government wanted to see how they would interact with the environment, how they would behave. He stared at me, his eyes wide with a mix of shock and disbelief. You're saying there are living, breathing cryptids out there, running loose in the forests and mountains? I nodded again, my voice trembling with the weight of the truth. Yes, Michael. And only the Supreme General has full knowledge of this program. It's a conspiracy that goes deeper than anyone could imagine. I could see the wheels turning in his mind as he processed the gravity of my revelations. But why? Why would they do something like this? The reasons are unknown to me, but the implications are terrifying. These creatures are unpredictable, uncontrollable. They could pose a threat to both nature and humanity. Michael's fingers tapped restlessly on the desk. I'll write your story, John. But I'll need proof, evidence to back up your claims. My heart sank. I understand, but you have to promise me one thing. Protect my identity. If the government finds out I'm talking, they won't hesitate to silence me. He nodded solemnly. I'll do my best, John. We'll expose this together. As I left his office, the weight of my confession lifted slightly, replaced by a glimmer of hope. Michael had promised to continue the interview the next day, and though fear gnawed at the edges of my mind, I held on to the notion that the truth could finally be set free. The following morning, as the sun began to rise, I anxiously awaited Michael's arrival. But as the hours ticked by, my hope waned, replaced by a growing sense of unease. I paced the floor, my mind racing with thoughts of the consequences that could befall me for sharing the government's darkest secrets. When the sun dipped below the horizon, casting long shadows across my living room, I knew that something was amiss. Michael had never arrived, and a sickening realization began to take hold. I was alone, abandoned to the depths of uncertainty. Frantic, I grabbed my phone and dialed Michael's number. It rang and rang, each unanswered tone striking like a hammer blow to my already fragile resolve. I was left with only one conclusion. He had been silenced, erased from existence by the very forces we had hoped to expose. Terror gripped my heart as I realized the horrifying truth. I had been marked, my revelation deemed too dangerous to see the light of day. The government had moved swiftly, erasing Michael from the equation, as if he had never existed. I stared at my phone, a sinking feeling settling in the pit of my stomach. The magnitude of what I had set in motion was beginning to crush me, its weight too heavy to bear. I was left with a haunting certainty. I was next, a pawn in a twisted game where the stakes were higher than I could have ever fathomed. 
As the days turned to weeks, I lived in a constant state of paranoia, my every move shadowed by the ominous threat of retribution. The walls seemed to close in, and the world around me became a claustrophobic maze of uncertainty. I was a man on the run, hunted by an entity I could barely comprehend. In the end, the truth had not set me free. It had ensnared me in a web of darkness and despair. Michael's absence served as a chilling reminder that the government's reach extended far beyond my worst fears. The memory of his unwavering determination fueled my resolve to continue the fight to expose the malevolent forces lurking in the shadows. And so I persist, a lone voice in the darkness, fighting against the forces that seek to silence the truth. The road ahead is treacherous, and the path is shrouded in uncertainty, but I will not be deterred. For I have witnessed the unspeakable, and I am determined to ensure that the world knows the horrors that lie beneath the surface, the terrifying secrets that could bring about our downfall, or perhaps our salvation. Back in the fall of 2020, during the pandemic, I was driving, and I had a girl I was dating with me. I was picking her up from her house. It was nighttime. This was in northern New Mexico, so there is like a hotbed of creatures and other strange stuff there as well. So we're driving down the road, and you know how sometimes a deer will jump out in front of your car. I saw what I thought was deer or something coming from the side of the road. I would never ever think this would happen, but it jumped in front of the car, and I hit the brakes. And it's nighttime, so I have the headlights on. So we both leaned forward to look at it, because at first I said, Oh, that's a deer. Then I thought it was a dog. It gets within five feet of the headlights, and I'm almost stopped. The thing was black and transparent. The headlights went through it, and it looked like the size of a large dog, or... The small bear in the back end of it was higher than the front. The lights went through it, so it was kind of in this realm and kind of not. You could see the road, and you could tell where the car was like it knew we were there. I think it purposely jumped in front of the headlights, but I don't know. We both saw this thing. I looked at my girlfriend, and she said, Did you just see that? And I said, Yeah, I don't know. I've never seen anything like that. Later on, I watched the movie Constantine with Keno Reeves. It looked exactly like what they have in that movie, what they called a soldier demon. They had smaller front legs, but the back legs when they walked on four legs like a dog. In the movie, they had skin, but this thing that I saw was totally black. But it had that shape to it, to it. Like it had a small head, a little head, and a larger body than its head, but back a bit exactly like that movie. That thing in that movie wasn't just someone's imagination. Those things exist. What was it doing? I mean, it was out in the middle of nowhere. There were houses and people around. As unbelievable as this may sound, I know what's all today. About two and a half hours ago from me writing this, I was in the car with my father driving to our house, and while I was looking out of the car window, I saw an entire bird materialize out of nowhere. No, 
I didn't look away from that window. I was staring in that general direction where it happened. Where the bird was the air had this aura of discoloration around it, making it appear bronze-colored and slightly transparent. It happened so fast that I couldn't take photos. It was almost instant. I believe the bird was a falcon. However, it appeared slightly larger than a normal one, and its feathers were almost completely black. Of course, I haven't told my parents because I assumed they wouldn't believe me, even though I am confident that I saw it. A few years ago, I was hiking somewhere on the border of Montana and Idaho. The exact location escapes me at the moment. I was with my uncle, and the hike was something like six miles in, six miles out from TH to a lake. Keep in mind, this is a very remote area. To even get to the TH was about a 20-30 mile drive, and on dirt, logging roads. There were no other cars at the yard, and we didn't see anyone on the trail the entire day. On the hike in, we noticed a make, shit camp, set up along the trail to our right. This was by no means a designated camping area. It just happened to be enough of a clearing to pitch a tent and have a small area to walk around in. The camp looked somewhat disheveled, and there was nobody in immediate sight. We continued on to the lake, ate lunch, and headed home sometime later in the afternoon. On our way back, the camp was now to our left. Now that we were headed in the opposite direction, the camp came into view much sooner along the trail than it did on our hike in. It was a few minutes until we actually reached this camp. I had a very eerie feeling now. From this direction, I could now see that the tent flap was unzipped entirely. I found this strange and scanned the camp for its residence. By the time we reached the camp, nobody had appeared and I decided to yell out to anyone who may be in the camp. Maybe to say hello, maybe to see if anyone needed any help. I just had a strange feeling that something was wrong here. At this point, my uncle was very much freaked out and was trying to continue walking along without incident. I yelled out three or four times towards the camp each time walking closer and closer to the tent. I got no response. I stood a few feet away from the tent and scanned around the hills, and there was nobody in sight. The camp looked exactly the same as it did on our hike in. Upon further inspection, I could see a few items strewn about the grounds beyond the tent. But my first stop was definitely going to be the tent. I thought for a few seconds and pondered exactly what I may find in the tent. I was scared of waking someone, but more scared of finding someone who may not be able to wake up. I crept closer, my uncle reluctantly following about ten paces behind. I yelled a few more times. No answer. I push aside the flap, and there's nothing but a sleeping bag laid out perfectly as if someone had just unrolled it. Keep in mind, this is a very nice tent. Perfectly assembled, too. Nice vestibule, spacious and sturdy. It struck me as odd that someone with such a nice tent would have been so foolish to have left their tent unzipped. So I stood and scanned again. This tent was a few hundred feet away from a very small water source. There were various items, as I said earlier, every 50 feet or so. I noticed a Ziploc bag on the top of a boulder right next to this stream. I headed over there and found that it contained several strips of uncooked bacon. Again, strange. 
My thoughts were racing, and I had an overwhelming feeling that I was being watched. I put the bacon back where I found it and looked around again. Nobody was here. We hadn't seen anyone all day, and this camp looked exactly the same as it did in the morning. Who in their right mind would leave this bag of bacon sitting right here? Who would even bring bacon into a place like this? And how? There was no ice chest, not even a car at the T.E. Ditch. Why would you bring food like that into an area where there are mountain lion as well as bear? There wasn't even a stove or any cooking utensils in sight. This was a very barren camp. My thoughts began to slow down, and I looked to my feet. I saw several shell casings and several rounds to a forty-five caliber handgun. This was the icing on the WTFK. My uncle insisted we leave immediately, and at this point I agreed. We hiked rather quickly out. Counting paces, I calculated that the makeshift camp was about one mile from the THA. I still have no idea what could have happened at that camp. Still freaks me out, but it makes for a very good story. So, I had something happen to me today while at the grocery store. But first, a little backstory on me so the situation will make more sense. I am middle-aged and was diagnosed with a DHD, spectrum of autism, anxiety, and mild depression. One of my biggest challenges in life is the ability to focus, obviously. I am oblivious to minor things around me and never pay attention to those things. Just going to pick up a few things gives me massive anxiety and find that wearing my AirPods helps tremendously. Well, today I was on my way home to get ready for work and needed a few things from the store. My spouse has a standing rule that I text him before I go to see if he needs anything. So I did. He needed two fillets of salmon at two pounds each and two cans of chickpeas, the cheapest ones. So I grabbed what I need first and make my way to pick up his stuff. Got the salmon and headed to the canned aisle. As I walk down the aisle, I see an older gentleman walking towards me. I spent eight years in the Army, so I did what came natural and stepped to the side with my back to the shelf. This is where it gets weird. As he walked by me, he raises his hand and points directly at the chickpeas, which just so happened to be the cheapest on sale for five dollars. This wasn't a hand wave made in jest. This was a direct and intentional point to the chickpeas. I stood frozen for about a minute, trying to grasp what had just happened. I came very close to asking him why he pointed, but by the time I snapped out of it, he was gone. Now, there might be a reasonable explanation for this, and kind of hope there is. Why else would he point at exactly what I needed? I would have been there for a while trying to locate them. He literally saved me time out of my day, at the expense of me saying in my head, what the F just happened, I'm still in disbelief. If anyone has a logical explanation, I'm all ears. So like decades ago, me and my family moved out to a different place for Dad's work. It's a crowded concrete jungle city in a third world country. I was only 10 years old back then. The house was really old with one room on the top floor and two rooms on the bottom and then a really narrow hallway to the front door. 
I remember it very vividly, seeing what seemed like a shadow-like figure. It was like when I moved my head from a different direction to another. I used to see what seemed like a really tall, dark, smoky shadow-like figure just talking towards me, and then it just used to disappear like nothing. I told my mom about it. She denied it was nothing, just mine, and I, I was just seeing things. Fast forward, when we moved out of the house, I reminded my mom about it, and then she finally accepted. Yes, she exactly saw the same kind of tall shadow figures, and we matched the entire description of this figure. Like we literally saw the same thing, she said. I kept on denying it because I didn't want you to be scared. Not my account, but a retired Cajun corporal and reporter to me. I'm a paranormal encrypted investigator, by the way, about a possible Rougarou sighting that occurred on the back portion of his property, just north outside of New Orleans on a spring evening back in 2018. The witness was sitting on his back porch smoking his tobacco pipe when his eyes caught sight of some very large movements toward the back portion of his trees. It was dusk, light enough to still see, but the sun was setting. He looked off into the trees and noticed what appeared to be a large, hairy humanoid moving towards the tree line. He grew curious, wondering if this was some kind of bear. He grabbed a light and headed towards it. As he got closer, he noticed that the creature's head was much larger than a bear's. It resembled a wolf, but it still didn't answer what this creature was doing. He grew suspicious, and the witness claimed to sense something very strange. It was glancing around intelligently, looking directly in his direction. But it didn't act like the other animals do when they notice you. It did not appear to be frightened, which he thought was strange. The witness continued closing in on the creature, but did not get too close. The creature then began to walk towards the trees, but it never turned around or acknowledged the witness's presence. The witness did not want to let the creature get away, so he followed it into the trees. The witness claimed that even though it was dusk, it should have been light enough to still see, yet this man claimed he could not see anything distinguishable in the trees just by glancing around with his light. He was now growing very suspicious, but he decided to stay calm. He turned his attention back at the creature, noticing it was gone. He thought that maybe it had gotten away, so he went looking for a trail to see where this creature might have gone. The witness claimed that he found nothing. He didn't notice any droppings, tracks, or anything else that might indicate this thing's presence. The witness decided to look around the area some more, but nothing came up. He turned his attention back at home and went in. That would be when he discovered that his dog was missing. Come to think of it, he told me that his dog had been gone all afternoon. The dog had a usual routine of going potty at around 2 or 3 p.m. Out in the back portion of woods to do their business and come back inside. He didn't think about it and the dog was now gone. His mind immediately went to this large canine taking his dog without him knowing which would explain its presence. It was potentially drawn to his dog as food, which is why he spotted it. It could have been coming back for more. He's not sure. He didn't hear any sounds of yelling or anything, found no trace of blood or any signs that his dog had been taken or killed. But his dog, after this, was missing. 
He found it strange that when he cast light on this thing, it was so dark. He said that its fur seemed to absorb the light around it. It was unnaturally dark. He heavily believes that what he saw that evening was, in fact, a rougarou. He has no doubts about that. He claimed that the experience was very memorable. He had heard about Rugerus and Rugeru sightings, but didn't believe it seriously until he experienced this for himself. My sighting of these giants happened back in 1996 when my unit was sent on a secret mission to the Hindu Kush mountains of Afghanistan. The purpose of our mission is irrelevant, but it has been declassified now. So I do have permission to tell you. We took off from Bagram Air Base just before dawn with another special ops team that were all Navy SEALs. They were flying on their own special ops chopper. Well, we flew in a Chinook helicopter supplied solely by the Army. We had to fly over some fairly high mountains to get into the valley that was our original destination. It was still dark at this time, so it wasn't until we got almost halfway through these mountains when I saw something strange ahead of us. There was a huge bright light flying through the air towards us. I couldn't tell if it was another chopper by the way it was flying. At least at this distance, no aircraft lights were visible, so I knew it wasn't one of ours either. Even stranger was that this object didn't have any sound coming from it. As it approached us and came closer, it was a dull gray color and looked very strange, as it seemed to glow almost. I remember being curious about what this could be. I did not have a radio on me, so I could not say anything to my co-pilot or the other chopper pilot. If this had been a movie, you'd probably think I should have gotten out a rifle and shot it from the sky. But for some strange reason, I just didn't feel scared. I believe it was one of the SEALs who finally yelled over the radio, asking us if we could see what this thing was. Right after he did so, both choppers came very close together. We were flying through a mountain pass. In that instant, I saw a giant humanoid figure down in a ravine in the mountains. Several of these figures, actually. There appeared to be about three of them. I'd say roughly nine to ten meters tall, red wild hair, and held primitive like makeshift spear weapons. I'd only got a few seconds to look, but I know what I saw. The seals were laughing all over the radio when we realized both choppers had almost come together. After that, I was terrified. My imagination ran wild thinking about these giants that had terrified me with their appearance. I have never imagined anything like that in my life to what I saw this day. I don't know what to think about it. I was later on instructed about what I saw to keep my mouth shut, so I did. The way my superiors instructed me to do so was, we simply don't talk about those things, period. And that was the end of that. The road stretched out ahead of me, a never-ending ribbon of asphalt disappearing into the horizon. My hands firmly gripped the steering wheel of my truck. The hum of the engine and the passing scenery, my constant companions. It was just another night on the road, transporting Amazon products through the heart of Ohio. The radio played softly in the background, keeping me company on those long stretches of solitude. As the night grew darker, my headlights cut through the inky blackness, illuminating the highway ahead. I was lost in thought. 
my mind wandering as the miles ticked away. And then something caught my eye, a strange anomaly on the road ahead. It was far off in the distance, and at first I thought it might be a trick of the light. But as I continued driving, curiosity got the better of me, and I found myself squinting to make out the shape. The figure came into focus, and a shiver ran down my spine. I saw a large, dark silhouette walking upright. My heart raced as I instinctively slowed the truck down. What in the world could that be? My gaze remained fixed on the creature as I approached cautiously, my foot easing off the gas pedal. It was unlike anything I'd ever seen before, a creature that seemed both out of place and out of time. As I got closer, my fear intensified and my instincts took over. I glanced around, searching for a place to hide. My eyes settled on a sturdy tree on the side of the road. With a rush of adrenaline, I pulled the truck over and scrambled out, my heart pounding in my chest. I positioned myself behind the tree, heart pounding, my breath held in anticipation. Turning my head slightly, I peered around the tree to catch another glimpse of the creature. It was closer now, perhaps only about ten feet away. Its size and shape were daunting, and its appearance was unnerving. The creature was completely black, a stark contrast against the moonlit night. It stood a bit shorter than me, with a hunched posture that seemed almost human. What struck me the most was the absence of a visible neck. Its head emerged directly from its broad shoulders. My eyes widened as I watched in horror as the creature reached the tree. I was hiding behind. It lifted its head, its nostrils flaring as it sniffed the air. The nose pointing upward. I couldn't see any eyes. Just an unsettling void where they should be. Time seemed to stand still, and I was frozen in place, my body refusing to obey my desperate commands to move. Then, just as suddenly as it had appeared, the creature turned around. It moved with an eerie grace, almost casual in its departure. My breath hitched as I watched it retreat, disappearing into the darkness. I remained hidden behind the tree, my mind reeling from what I had witnessed. A sound shattered the stillness, tearing me from my thoughts. It was a guttural, unsettling noise that echoed through the night. My heart raced as I realized the creature had noticed me. The noise grew louder, a chilling shriek that seemed to cut through the very air itself. In an instant, the creature was no longer walking away. It was running towards the nearby woods, moving with an unsettling human, like Gaet. I stepped out from behind the tree, my heart still pounding my mind trying to process the events that had just transpired. And then I saw it, a grisly scene that further twisted my stomach into knots. The creature had left behind a gruesome tableau. A coyote lay on the road, its body torn open and partially devoured. The realization hit me like a punch to the gut. This creature was a predator, a merciless hunter. My stomach churned and a wave of nausea washed over me. I stumbled back, unable to tear my gaze away from the grisly sight. It was then that I made a silent promise to myself. I would never forget this night, and I would never drink alcohol again. The adrenaline-fueled fear had etched this experience into my memory, a vivid reminder of the strange and terrifying encounter on that desolate Ohio highway. I retreated to my truck, my hands trembling as I fumbled with the keys. 
The safety of the cab provided a small measure of comfort, but my mind was still racing, trying to come to terms with what I'd seen. The road ahead stretched out, and I pressed my foot on the gas pedal. Eager to put distance between myself and that haunting scene, as the miles rolled on, I couldn't shake the feeling that I had glimpsed something otherworldly that night, a creature that defied explanation, a living nightmare that had sent shivers down my spine. And though I was now on the move again, the memory of that creature and its chilling shriek would forever be imprinted on my mind, a reminder of the unknown dangers that could lurk in the shadows of the open road. I know this sounds weird, but about a week or so ago before this happened, I had a good buddy of mine who was also a motorcyclist who reported seeing strange things throughout this long stretch of road. He would often drive this area in the evening time and report feelings of being watched. I gave him a pretty hard time about it, thinking he was just being crazy until I had my very own experience. When one evening after midnight I was running through here by myself, this has happened to me twice now. I'm not sure if this is the same being, but there are some details that seem to be similar enough for me to conclude that these are related encounters. It was Thursday evening in June of 1994. I was already a veteran here, having served in Desert Storm from 91 to 92. I was riding my motorcycle home from work around midnight that night. It was about a mile or so approximately right outside of Appomattox, Virginia, and I noticed something strange. I often came home late enough where it was dark and encountered headlights on the road coming towards me. But tonight it seemed like there were none. Since this road is very heavily traveled, there are no crossroads. There should have been no cars out here at this time. As I pulled up to the crest of a hill and started to descend, approximately 300 to 400 feet from the crest, I saw something that nearly made me soil myself. I don't know how to describe what I was seeing except that it looked like a giant upright walking ape covered in hair, running along the road with its arms pumping furiously as it raced after my motorcycle. It kind of reminded me of a gorilla running on all fours, but also standing upright every now and then to try and gain full speed. The most frightful thing about it were its eyes. They were glowing this white yellow, and they almost seemed to glow in the dark the same way headlights illuminated a deer's eyes. It's as if they possessed their own light source. Now this thing ran after me for about a good 300 feet until I crested another hill. But when I looked back, it had vanished. It was almost as if the thing had just disappeared into thin air. In all honesty, it scared the crap out of me. And after thinking about it for a while now, I think this thing must have been traveling so fast it was chasing after the light from my motorcycle. That is what probably caught its attention in the first place. But the strange part about it all is that not once did I hear any noise coming from whatever this thing was. Even though it looked like a large gorilla running on two legs, it never really made a sound from what I saw from it. It was real ugly looking, like it was deformed or something, and even had horns and pulled back like a ram's horns are. It also had this nasty smell like a skunk. Believe me or not, 
This is one story that won't leave me alone until I get it off my chest. It sounds pretty stupid to some people when you try to explain what happened. But if anybody has heard of similar encounters along these lines, please let me know. I do not know what this being is, where it came from. If anybody has any insight into what this thing was, let me know in the comments below. I am also aware there have been reports of strange creatures in this area, including Bigfoot sightings and strange otherworldly type encounters with UFOs and even other bizarre paranormal phenomena. But what in the world is going on around here? This stuff is scaring people, including me. I'm 50, three years old, and an avid hunter, trapper, and fisherman. When I was 12, we had a family visit to Muir Woods National Monument in California. I was obsessed with steelhead. There was a stream full of them right next to the walking path. I left my family to get closer to the fish. I guess I was about 100 yards from my family when I rounded a bend in the stream. I climbed over a rock, and at about 30 yards, a guy, Sasquatch, was squatted on the edge of the river. We locked eyes, and it seemed like he was trying to kill me with a stare. As he stood up, I could not believe how fast he moved. His hair was dark brown, and his face only had hair around the edges. He kept his eyes on me as he literally stepped across the creek. I saw grayish hair on his back and muscles like a bodybuilder. The creek was like 20 feet across, and he cleared it one hop. I could not get out of there fast enough. No one believed my story, not my parents, my brother, or anyone for that matter. Jump forward to the year 2000. I was married and living in northern New Jersey. I shot a huge buck one morning early and the arrow seemed a bit far back. I decided to give him some time. This was November and I was coaching football at the high school nearby. I went to the game with the intention of tracking the deer after the game. We followed the blood trail about 150 yards to where the deer died. You know what the ground looks like when a full killed deer expires. There was a ten-foot circle covered with blood and hair. The blood was like someone spilled a five-gallon pail, but no deer. The bears are huge here, but a bear would have chowed on that deer first, then dragged it a distance and either hid it or left to come back. There were no drag marks, no blood trail, nothing. But my carbon arrow was broken into little four or five inch pieces. During turkey season the following year, I was hunting behind my house every morning. There's about a square mile of private land. I kept jumping what I thought was a bear on the edge of a swamp at the base of a steep bridge. It happened several times in the dark. The bear would move up about 50 yards. It was always at first light, and I was hoping to hear the turkeys gobble on the roost. One morning I was late getting out, so I was creeping slower than usual. An owl was hooting as I walked. When I got near the area where... I was jumping the bear, I steeped in owl feces. As I did, I heard someone running toward the ridge. It was a thump-thump of a two-legged being. Their feet hit the ground, not the leaf shuffling a bear makes on the run. Then I saw it. It neared the top of the ridge, taking huge strides. As it topped the ridge, all I could see was the same face staring at me from when I was twelve. I knew what it was. I haven't slept right since...
At our camp, about 20 miles from my home, we had a deer taken from inside of a pickup truck with a cap on it. The T-handles of the cap were closed but not locked. Whatever took the deer put its hands on the top of the cap and left marks, where the hair on its arms had disturbed the dust and the dirt. The guys I was hunting said a bear took it. How many bears can open the cap? Walk away with the 100-pound dove and leave no drag marks or evidence. One Saturday after deer season ended, I was driving at night at about 10 p.m. I came across a six-inch tree across the road that was just wide enough for one truck. I had just been there a few hours before in the daylight. I got out to move, but the tree had been twisted around five feet off the ground and bent over the road. As I looked at it, I felt like I was being watched. I had that feeling of impending doom swept over me. They did not want me there. So I jumped in my truck and got the hell out of there. I'm never going to stop what I love to do most, which is hunting and fishing. But it's not the same as it once was. You know, you're not alone out there there. There's something about knowing that you're not the top dog in the woods. They walk around my house at night in the summer. When I'm out hunting, they're here and no one wants to admit it. The BFRO idiots were more concerned with having me pay $400 to get in on their freaking expedition than coming up to see the area where I live. As soon as I said they were human, like and not ape, they dismissed me like I never existed. I was chased by an unknown hairy bipedal creature outside my childhood home. This was rural northern Wisconsin, and I was 16. Up until that day, I had zero fear of the woods. I spent most of my time out there exploring and feared nothing. My parents had a lousy marriage and fought a lot, and I felt more at home outside than in the house. On hot nights, I'd take a sleeping bag and sleep on the roof of an old shack on our property. I saw bears, I saw wolves. They were always more afraid of me than me. I didn't believe in ghosts, Bigfoot, demons, or even God. I only got lost out there once when dark fell sooner than I expected. I stayed calm, found the North Star, and knew that if I continued south, I'd eventually come across the old railroad tracks near my house. Even the thought of spending the night out there didn't bother me. The thought of my mom's rage when I didn't come home did. So it was summer, and I had just turned 16. My mom had left my father. Father worked all the time. Sister was living on her own. Once school was out, it was me and my cat, and this is before the Internet or smartphones. We lived on a dead-end dirt road, and around noon, I took my usual stroll down the long driveway to check the mail. My cat followed me everywhere, and I actually kind of relied on him to give me a heads up if there was a bear or something close by. A bit of movement behind me as I stood at the mailbox made me aware there was something across the road in the trees, but there were pesky deer everywhere. I heard a loud crash like something very loudly making its way through the brush. It's like every classic horror story. My brain had no capability for the thought of anything paranormal or spooky. I simply tucked the mail under my arm and headed into the woods to investigate. My cat followed close behind. I got about ten yards in when I noticed what I hadn't noticed before. There was no noise. Nothing. 
It was a beautiful June day, and there wasn't a single bird singing. No insects, no leaves rustling. It was absolutely silent. At the same time I registered the silence, I got that eerie feeling that something was watching me. I stopped immediately and started scanning the woods for deer. Hunters know what I'm talking about when I say you look for the shape of a deer instead of trying to pinpoint them by color. That's when I spotted it. Two brown furry legs atop of it concealed by tree branches. My cat hissed. I looked down and he was completely poofed out with his back arched, looking at the same thing I was. I looked back up and the legs moved, not like a deer, like a human. Everything happened at once after that. I dropped the mail, picked up my cat by the scruff, and ran for it. Whatever was out there with me was running after me. I have never run so fast in my life. I tore up the driveway into the house, locked the door, and grabbed the phone. I called my next-door neighbor, who was the ex-chief of police, and he came over immediately with his pistol. He checked out the spot I was in and found nothing. I was so hysterical I was in tears. He stayed with me until I was able to reach my mom and have her come get me. Of course, they thought I was completely high or delusional. I know exactly what I saw and felt. It was broad daylight. I never felt safe in those woods again and stopped sleeping outside. I've had a fair few creepy experiences working in pubs over the years. Convinced pubs must attract energy, ghosts. They also tend to be old, especially in the United Kingdom. I had a creepy cellar experience in Brighton, was getting ice at the ice machine in the cellar, was a really busy night, and I was in a rush. Turned around because I felt like someone was looking at me, and in the opposite end of the cellar was a man in a bowler hat just stood there in the corner. Turned back to the ice machine as I was too busy to freak out over it, looked up again and he was gone. Gave me such a fright and had to walk up the stairs straight back into a chaotic shift. Lots of other things as well over the years in loads of different pubs. Hearing footsteps after close, being tapped, but there's no one there. Lights turning off and on. Hand dryers turning on and off in a closed pub. Hearing voices in a closed pub. Things going missing and turning up in random. Places. Places. One time we were drinking a pint post-shift, and a loud noise that sounded like a drip tray being dropped happened. We tried to see what had fallen or would make the noise, and nothing had moved. We went back to drink our pints and it happened again. This time we didn't move but carried on chatting and ignoring it. Next we heard footsteps walking around. We went to check everywhere to check there was definitely no one in the pub. The loud noise happened again, followed by much louder footsteps and really quiet talking. Couldn't hear what was said, followed by a heavy door opening by itself. We decided to ditch the pints and get out of there. Frightened the life out of us was with people who firmly didn't believe in ghosts, and even they were terrified. Hi, I don't know if this is even the right place for this, but my family is very spiritual, and I think spirits had something to do with the encounter. My mom always warns me about not going out late at night by myself because there's been a lot of crime recently and why tempt fate. 
Better safe than sorry. Well, I didn't listen and walked out to do laundry last night around 10.10, 10.45 p.m. In the middle of folding clothes, I didn't go inside to fold because I wanted to put the clothes that were in the washer into the dryer after I finished folding the current load. This man comes up to my fence, asking for money. This is something that has happened before, but many years ago. It's the same scenario. Late at night, a man approaches and is asking for money to take the L. I say I'm underage and my mom makes all the money, and when he asks, well... Can you ask her? I say she's at the store. I know. I'm an idiot for saying I'm alone. My mom was working. He walks away and nothing happens. It's a trailer park with no security, so anyone can literally walk in. My mom is protective and asks our neighbors who have a security camera to check and see who it is. Our neighbor checks all the way from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. The cameras show nothing. My mom keeps asking me, where was he? The neighbor checked and couldn't see anything. You don't even appear in the cameras. It's like you never went outside. My mom said a spirit is warning me to stay inside or something like this might actually happen. Can spirits even mess with video equipment like that? It scares the hell out of me. I literally swore on my mom's life. I went outside. Earlier this month, we visited the old fort in Key West called Fort Zachary Taylor. I believe I read that it was built in 1840s and it's an old earthworks fort with lots of brick and most of the gun emplacements have been removed, but you can still tour around the fort. And many of the area that the soldiers would have used, such as the barracks, mess hall, chapel, powder storage, and etc., just off the chapel was one of the smaller rooms which looked like maybe it was used as a cell. That particular room didn't have a description plate, but most of the other areas did. My wife and I walked inside just to look around. It was all brick and like seven foot by five foot wide with iron bars over the window. When we stepped inside, we both smelled the smell of pipe tobacco. Like if just moments before we entered, someone just smoked a pipe. It was a very sweet tobacco smell. I knew it was pipe tobacco because I smoke a pipe every once in a while. The thing is, the smell never faded while we were in that room. We looked around like WTF is going on. Once we exited the room, the smell disappeared. There were hardly any other tourists around the fort when we were there. There was an Asian family with kids all under ten, a couple of ladies walking around in a Hispanic family with small kids. The thing is, no one we saw looked like they would be smoking with kids around, and especially on a historical site like this. I tried looking around to see if there was someone nearby who would have smoked a pipe, but no one. I can't explain it, but we walked into a cell room that had pipe tobacco smell only inside that small room and nowhere else. What do you think it was? So I was sick the other week and chilling on the sofa. My dog was on the other sofa sleeping. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw this weird black void thing about the size of a small cat jump down the side of the dog and seem to disappear into the sofa. My initial thought was it was in my head. 
but the dog reacted to it. She jumped up with A-A-W-T-F type expression, sniffed herself where I saw it land on her, and then start sniffing the sofa to try and figure out what happened. I have cats, but they're all light in color, and would have chased them if they did that to her. I called my son in the room, thinking maybe a bat got in somehow. We searched everywhere, moved the sofa out, searched in the cushions, and looked under it with a flashlight. Nothing. I'm starting to think it was a past kitty of ours that really liked dogs. He would have totally done something like that to mess with a dog. Someone found him as a kitten, and he had that FIV virus, and unfortunately died young. He had a big personality, though. Bit late to the party, and this actually has to do with some dive buddies of mine, but a few years back I was part of a class doing a night dive in Hawaii at this place called Hananuma Bay. Now, to set the picture, imagine a volcanic crater that had one side collapse against the sea, forming a neat little sheltered inlet. Nowadays, it's a wildlife preserve, and with the crater walls, the water isn't affected as much by the ocean's waves and swells, so it's usually calm, clear, and absolutely incredible to swim, snorkel, dive in. Near the break in the wall, a length of coral stretches from one end to the other with at least two locations that have apertures through which you can leave the barrier. This exposes you to the open ocean and all the crazy wildlife that isn't capable of finding or fitting into the bay itself. As a bay out in the middle of nowhere, there aren't any lights to speak of, which means at night it's pitch black. If you haven't been somewhere away from the city... I cannot express just how unimaginably dark it can get, especially when it's cloudy out. Guess what? So for this night dive, we buddy up and take a light, or two if you brought one, and go swim about with red filters over the bulbs so that you don't scare away the sea creatures. They can't see red. Kind of like me, I guess. It also makes you feel like you're in a horror movie. Anyway, a pair of divers decided that they'd try something a bit different. Those of you paying attention may have guessed that this different action was to swim outside the barrier. They do and get to see all kinds of neat little fishies right before their bulb pops. In their only flashlight. So picture this. You're stuck floating in the open ocean. You have no light so you can't see anything. Not your gauges. Not a huge deal, since we're mostly on the surface for this. Not your buddy, not the people you came with. Nothing. And you especially can't see where the only two places you can get through the coral barrier are. In coral, coral is sharp. If you end up smashed against coral, you come out looking like ground beef. It's jagged, painful, and full of fun little bitey things. Birchins and maybe a poisonous fish or two. To add to the fun, water does a great job of not carrying sound very far, meaning no one could hear them screaming for help. So to reiterate, they were blind, unable to communicate with the rest of us, and caught between the ocean and a giant underwater meat grinder. The best part, no one knew. They hadn't told anyone they were going out. It was just a quick decision on their parts to poke outside the wall a bit, 
They were out there for over 15 minutes, floating in that sinister nothing, when an unbelievable stroke of luck hit. Another pair of divers decided to poke through the hole, the same hole they came through. Luckily, they saw the flashlights from the other divers, scared the ever-living shit out of them, and returned across the barrier to safety. When they got back, they were shaken and rattled. They told us about going outside the wall, about seeing weird and cool fish, and then about something. They described it as monstrous and serpentine, about as wide around as a waist and maybe eight feet long, with a vaguely human-like head that showed up just before the light died. Now, likely, they were just running on imagination and probably saw some awesome shark or eel or were dealing with an LSD-fueled hallucination. Who knows with us dabbers? But their stories about this human-headed sea serpent drained the rest of us of any interest in exploring beyond the barrier again that night. I've met many fellow outdoorsmen in my area who have claimed to walk past someone on a trail, said hello or whatever, and turned around to realize that no one was there. I have an uncle who has a few stories like this. He has always said that he realized, after getting a few feet away, that they were not actually walking, and that's why he turns around. It generally seems to happen in areas where defunct mines are in the area. What I find interesting, though, is that it's only on trails. He hunts often and is usually nowhere near trails, but never has any such encounters away from them. Not quite like what was seen on the plane, nor is there any real evidence other than stories, but still a fun story nonetheless. So my mom has told me about this story a couple of times, and her brother backed it up. Basically, it goes like this. Back in the late 60s, early 70s, my mom and her brother were kids, and they were at their grandparents' house in South Jersey. And she and my uncle both say they saw a giant ant or a spider like the size of a dining room table, creature moving around in the yard at dusk, and then it vanished. They tried to tell their parents, but no one believed them. Now, I'm not sure if this story belongs here, but I believe that they did see something, whatever it might be. I have questioned her about it and asked if it was really real, and she always gets defensive about it. I was just wondering if anyone else had a similar thing happen. These things have been bothering me and scaring me on my morning walks. It's been very frightening, but I refuse to give up my daily walks, no matter how scared I have been. I've had the mind speak thing. They have touched me, and I've seen some kind of transparent thing climbing a tree. So it's not been fun. Aside from what is currently happening to me, I wanted to relate some stories from my childhood, which, while they seemed so bizarre back then, make sense now. The stuff took place in the Wheeling, West Virginia area. This is in the 1950s time period. My family lived there at the time. My mom would talk about being kept up at night by something screaming on the hill at night. She and her sister would not be able to sleep because of it. My uncle had a milk delivery route those days. He would walk from house to house, clocked in a bottles. 
He told of being followed by something that was shadowing him in a nearby creek. He could hear the footsteps splashing, and they would stop when he would stop. This happened to him several times. He didn't know what it was. Then another time, my aunt snuck out of the house to attend a party with some friends. When they returned her, they dropped her off a couple blocks from the house, so the lights from the car wouldn't alert my grandparents. She heard some twigs snapping, and the next thing she knew, something came rolling off the hill right beside her. It sat there in a ball for a moment, then it stood up. She was under a streetlight, so she got a good look at it. All she said was it was bigger than her, and it had the face of a monkey. She was hysterical. By the time she got home, she was so scared it took them all night to calm her down. Finally, there was the story of some raccoon hunters out one night with their dogs. This thing was in the same area. The dogs were on the scent of a raccoon barking up a tree. Just as the men almost caught up to the dogs, they heard the dogs start screaming and they hear something big in the underbrush. The next thing they know, the dogs were running at them, then passed them headed for home. They took off running, too, all the way back with whatever it was behind them. They opened the door to the house, and the dogs and men ran in the door, and whatever it was hit the door repeatedly before leaving. The woods and underbrush in the area are very dense, and it's very dark in the woods, or at least it was back then. At the time, there wasn't any talk about Bigfoot, so that wasn't something that was considered. I used to think the phenomenon was something that happened in remote areas. I know that's not true now, and what my aunt experienced was more than likely a sighting of one. In 1973, a man had gone to the river in Whitmore Village in Wahiawa, Hawaii, with his friends to catch catfish. They laid traps in the river for about an hour, intending to return in the morning to gather the fish. As they were busy putting in their traps, they heard a blood-curdling scream. It sounded at first like a wild man screaming in the bushes right next to them. In a state of panic, the witnesses began to run. As they got to the top of the hill, running down a little trail, they came to a curve in the path. As they entered the turn, they all stopped dead in their tracks. An eight-foot-tall man was walking down the trail, heading right for them. He was naked except for a cloth around his waist. They turned and ran back to the river. As he stumbled down the side of the embankment, a giant woman stepped out from behind a tree. She must have been at least seven feet tall. Turning down river, they ran until they came out of the ravine safely. Giant footprints were found at the site. 